to episode four of lights in the sky podcast casual chat about uncasual things i'm luke and uh joining you today is tommy <laughs> <laughs> um so this time around it's your turn to tell a story so hopefully you came prepared i did i've done my homework cool um, I'm not sure what mark you're going to give it, but um, that'd be fun. Give me a rating at the end of it. <laughs> All right, I'll do that. Yeah. Um, so you you teased that it was going to be a UFO one. Oh, yeah, big surprise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, I've done three now, and they're all UFO ones. Yeah, yeah, so this paranormal podcast is quickly turning into a UFO podcast. I think what I've done here, if you if you look back, and today will be no different, I'm, just, I'm, I'm not going like, you know, uh, saucer, zoomed over, probed, someone (laughs) (laughs) and disappeared like that's not the repeat i I think we've done we've done the gigantic walnut yeah we've done the flatwoods monster yeah the stanky one the stanky flatwoods monster yeah um and this one here we're we're going back over 100 years whoa so you mean we're we're going back to one event 100 years ago or we're going back to multiple events across 100 years we're going some events we're going even further Oh. Even even like you know, think of the year we were born, mm-hmm. and then go a hundred years from that, and then slightly <laughs> further. Wow, so, yeah. it's older than me, probably older than you as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing I'm excited about this episode is to see how quickly we can get it up on the stream, oh, yes. because we're running a little bit late. So I thought maybe a fun thing to do is um, this is, today right now is basically 12 o'clock lunchtime noon on saturday the 25th of it's high noon 1 p.m or is it noon is it 12 30 i don't know you say this i'll look at high noon okay (laughs) so and then we can talk about shanghai noon (laughs) um so we're recording at lunchtime noon on saturday 25th of march 2017 I'm basically starting the timer now to see how quickly it makes it up onto the iTunes store or into your um, podcast feeds because I'm going to record this, edit it as soon as we're done and then um, send it off to Beach to put up onto syndication and things. So it'll be interesting to see how quick that turnaround is. Any news on high noon? So solar noon, informally high noon, is the moment when the sun transits the celestial meridian, roughly the time when it is the highest above the horizon on that day. So it doesn't necessarily mean it's midday, it's just like when the sun's highest in the sky. Oh yeah. So high noon is... Sun's high. Sun's highest. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there's... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I reckon, you know, if you're looking for something to do, jump into Wikipedia, search high noon, and yeah. Does that mean that, um, does the sun appear higher if you're closer to the equator? Um, 
I think if it's I don't know if it's about higher, but I think you, it's you, you'll get it would, it would depend on how much sun hours you actually have. Yeah, yeah. So the position of the sun in the sky will change. If you're right on the equator, then your days are actually noon would yeah, more your, your days are actually 12. quite short, like right on the equator compared yeah. to like if you're til- like if when we're summer and we tilt, yeah. you get long days. Like at the bottom of the country, it can be yeah, like yeah. light at four o'clock. Like in the UK, it can be like light at like three thirty in the morning and still yeah. be light at like eleven o'clock at night. I think and mm. like the summer but in the winter it's obviously dark yeah yeah and then there's Svalbard what <laughs> what are you talking about it's like I think it's a territory in Norway like right at the top of the world like it's like dark all the time in winter and light all the time right I've always wanted to go there <laughs> I got a bit obsessed about it for a while what is it called Svalbard I think it's, what I think country is it in or is that well, a country it's, well, it's, I think it's part of Norway oh yeah nowhere and it's like north of Norway and north of nowhere well, it's just north of nowhere. <laughs> oh, <mate. laughs> are, you, are you taking on, are you sort of laying down the law or, or the line in the country of Norway? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have a spat yeah, in Norway? A, are you yeah, causing an international right now. I don't think we have any subscribers from Norway, so... Not yet. Hopefully. Oh, man, we'll put them all off now. <laughs> you might want to have to issue an apology. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, before we jump into your story... Wanted to throw a couple of hypotheticals at you. Okay. Okay. So, this is um, what would you do? How do you handle this situation, right? So I'm just going to throw throw some. Um, this is like what child I'd save or something like this. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. But worse. Oh, well, or better. Well, I had no children, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's say. Um, not that Straight after we finish recording this, okay. while I'm editing and getting this um, up to syndication, a being comes in a flying saucer, which I know you like, and then <laughs> and picks you up like a like ghost against of, my will, or like I just get beamed up or something like um, like abducted. Okay, so that's the first um, kind of we're we're assuming you're all for it. And you step on. They okay. say um, these beings say in um, English. DTF down yeah. to fly. fly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like a Ghost of Christmas Past thing. They okay, yeah. they zoom you to the future and show you um, some things that have gone wrong in in my life or in the in world. the world. The state of the earth is. Oh, I, don't just... know, I don't have to fix it. <laughs> Here we go. Well, that gives me a clue as to what your response is going to be. <laughs> So they show you that the world is um, ruined, basically, and it's and it's um, ruined by um, things that are totally preventable. How far in the future? Doesn't matter. Well, if I was still alive, like if I was still with my like my lifetime, <laughs> I probably might want to try and do something about it. But if it's like way in the future, okay. I'd be like, well, it's probably going to happen. Anyway. We'll also assume that you care then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's assuming a lot. Yeah. And so okay, they they show you the future. It's rubbish. <laughs> And can be prevented is the important things. They then drop you back here. So we we, we were talking about Trump just before, and like <laughs> I, we were trying to keep politics. You out said of this. don't don't talk politics. Yeah, well, I'm sure Trump causes it. <laughs> <laughs> the only way to stop um, is what to assassinate happens, Trump no, and Pence is to inform everyone. Just let them know what's happened and what it leads to. Like send a tweet. Okay? So you, now you know the answer of how to save the world. But how do I know the aliens aren't just effing with me, you know? You were assuming that in this situation. We know that they're not, okay? So you know... know They pinky sweared to me. They're not (laughs) lying. Yeah, exactly. So you know how to save the the world, 
All you have to do is tell the right people how to do it, all right? So did they, did they, did they give me, did I write it down? Because my memory's not that hot. Irrelevant. You know, we're, we're assuming you've got a good memory. <laughs> we're assuming now that you care, that you've got a good memory, <laughs> that you willingly went on this craft, and you know how to save the world, okay? Okay. You All you have to do is tell the right people. You know who those people are. I don't know who they are. Um, but no one believes anything you say unless you're naked. Oh. What do you do? <laughs> but, like, no, surely, like, the nakedness would add, would be the opposite of adding to the believability of it. Like, is this just another hypothetical? Because <laughs> if I'm sitting there naked, then I'm like, oh, um, I, got, I got abducted. Yeah, they believe you. Willingly. Yep, they believe you. They believe me. Yep. They're probably, they would probably wrap you in a blanket. And then, as soon as they did, they'd stop believing what you say. So you'd have to kick off. Okay, no, 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 no! Don't cover it. <laughs> do I have time to manscape before I have to see someone? It's up to you. Okay, I'd manscape. Okay. Well, I do manscape. So if Man, you, this, this, what you're saying is you would, te- you would wander around naked, manscaped. I am currently manscaped. Let, the me just, one... let me just put that out there. I mean, it's important. It's no. important. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I'll show you in a sec. <laughs> I think it's very important that all males land, uh, landscape. Man, manscape. I full, fully support that. Because... Okay. But that's your one caveat is you'd happily tell people as long as you're manscaped. Well, currently manscaped. So as long as I wasn't abducted for months and it had to grow, and it grew too rugged down there. Yeah, well, that's the only thing, though. You'd happily go and yeah. be naked yeah. telling people how to save the world in, insisting they don't put clothing on yeah. you I've been working out recently I've, I've lost a few kilos my body's in okay shape okay get it out there what if they um, alright no that's fine and I, the, 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 the nakedness doesn't bother me mm. I don't think I'm, I'd be quite comfortable I think I could do a nudist, nudist speech or something like that far out yeah I'm not going to the beach with you <laughs> a nudist speech <laughs> I'm not going to a nudist speech <laughs> Okay. I'm, not, well, I'm not, not proud of my body, but I'm not ashamed of it. It's just, it's just like, ugh. All right, so you happily... a blob. So it, um, if it was Donald Trump that needed... Um, oh, imagine him naked. <laughs> if it was him that you had to convince to change his actions and he wouldn't believe you unless you were naked, you'd happily stand yeah. in front of Donald Trump I would naked. rather be naked in front of Donald Trump than the other way around. Who would you... If you came back with those answers... Who would you like? How do you even do that? Like, let's assume also you can't convince people over the phone. <laughs> well, calling them naked, I can FaceTime them naked. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, they don't believe you unless they can see your tilt junk. It, they'll tilt it down, tilt the camera down. <laughs> it's like, well, who, who do you even call? You can't just say the White House, surely. You can call the White House, but I think getting through to the president's a different story. <laughs> That's what I mean. How would you even go about it? See, this is the thing. Like, I wouldn't be bothered with it. I'd be like, eh. <laughs> we're, uh, we are assuming you care. Yeah, but I just don't think I could. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, yeah. I, could I tell, like, you about it and be like... I wouldn't want to know. Because if, I ta- if, I, if you believe me, you have to see me naked. And we have that pledge that if we see each other naked, that's Friendship's it. That's it, yeah. at the end of the podcast. Yep, we do and have that. So so effectively, the, we also would risk our friendship. I'd say, right, I'm sorry. We have to do this. This is a, you know, yeah. So if, the, if there's ever, uh, if there's never a episode five, we know what's happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I think ultimately I'd try and find someone to help me. Who's that? 
Where do you where do you so, go? So what you're saying though is, as soon as I'm naked, people believe me for some reason. Yeah. Because of the situation. Yeah. Well, then I just I'd find I'd I'd, I'd go and find some people and be naked with them. I'd go go <laughs> find some nudists. Go find some nudists. <laughs> That's a good idea. And who wouldn't matter anyway. Yeah. And we'd form a wee nudist believability. Can game, you imagine yeah? the news though? It's just now there's a bunch of nudists spouting on about we need to talk to Donald Trump. Yeah, and everyone believes them. No, I wouldn't talk to Trump because Trump's an idiot. No, it, um, I'm assuming that that's the only fix is to tell Trump. Oh, something. he wouldn't believe me anyway. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, if it could, well, if it could convince Trump, which I don't believe it could, yeah, right. then I'd do it with a group of nudists. <laughs> I think we're, we're I'm just imagining that plane ride over. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Oh, they put towels and stuff down on the seats, but you'd still oh, want to change geez. the seat covers. And you know, I only and I don't fly economy class now, so <laughs> yeah. it would have to be in a premium cabin. Yeah, leather seats might stick a wee bit. Ooh. <laughs> All right, solved well, it. That's yeah, that's good. You and a group of nudists are going to save the world. Yeah, cool. Should I throw another one at you, or should we jump in? Maybe save it for next week. All right, let's do that. Hmm. Well, I, got I had something spooky that happened to me this week. Did you? Oh, normally I asked. The yeah. one week I didn't ask. No, it's not really that spooky. I just made me think, I was, when I was flying to Auckland yesterday, I turned on the, the air show, which shows you where you're going. Yeah. And it had the plane pointed from, like, Christchurch mm. to... South mm, Island? Yeah, South Island, New Zealand, Oceania, South Pacific, planet <laughs> Earth. We don't have to do this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to flying to, like, Minnesota hey. in the United States. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, this is like, this is, this is, I was like, what? How could this, like, it's showing a direct line from here to, like, the center of the United States into, like, the middle of nowhere yeah. is where the plane was going. And I'm like, is this, like, MH370? Is yeah. this how this happened? Like, it just, that's pretty weird. Mind of where were you going, did you say? Auckland. Auckland, so that's but top it was, of the North but Island but it was, of New Zealand. But because of the Adele concert, they had a wide body aircraft, so it could, you know, it's a big 777, so right. it has the range to fly right across the world. Mm hmm. I mean, so it felt like it felt like MH says three seventy was a triple seven two hundred ER. I was sitting on the uh, New Zealand triple seven two hundred ER. I was like, same plane, mysterious destination to nowhere. Other than the crew came on and said, "Oh, because this is a non-standard flight, um, we can't program the air show." So it just puts you to default to Minnesota. <laughs> so that explained it. But it was like, "Ooh, I wonder where we're going." Yeah, that's like, interesting. I was thinking, how we go about? It's like, have, have a, are we all going about to get knocked out? Like, you know, hypoxia sets in. They turn the yeah. you know, depressurize the cabin. We pass out, and the aircraft flies off into nowhere. And all you could think of is how do I get that onto episode four if it happens? Yeah, it happens. <laughs> but yeah, that was my spooky moment. They explained it shortly, shortly afterwards. I think obviously a lot of people were looking worried. Yeah, right. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they had you know, actually to, to come on the PA and say, look, we're really sorry about this, but this is why it's doing it. Mm. There was enough concern. So in a way, do you say they put on a, a bigger plane because there was people going up to an Adele concert? Yeah. So in a way, Adele scared you. She did. <laughs> Brilliant. And she moved me. <laughs> From Christchurch to Auckland? <laughs> well, emotionally. <laughs> no, I didn't come, obviously, I wasn't going to the concert. Great. Don't like all those crowds. <laughs> I'd so much rather just sit at home and watch it. Brilliant. Well, would you though? 
No. I would rather not watch I'm it. not really. The thing is, yeah, I think this is where it's a bit controversial. I, Adele's fine, but it doesn't do much for me. Like, I, I, I do like contemporary music. <laughs> I don't um, think we're music. the target demographic no, she, for Adele. No, no, Adele. I know I'm not. No, Adele's target demographic is massive. Like, her target demographic is every single person on this planet. <laughs> like, it is. There were people our age going. There were people younger going. Like, the people behind me on the plane were, like, Miravale moms who mm. were, like, in their um, 50s yeah. going along. Um, it's incredible. Her, I think the reason that she, she's done so well is her appeal is massive, but mm. it doesn't appeal to me or me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's everyone but us two. All right. Um, do you want to jump into your story then? <coughs> All right. Is that a yes? Yes. Yes. Cool. That's clear in my throat to pick in. I'm looking forward to it. Your ones are always a lot more detailed and well laid out than mine, so I quite enjoy just being a spectator. So do your thing. Okay, but we're... So I'd heard about this story in the past. Um, so there's a really good website um, for it, for like New Zealand UFO sightings, and there might be some more I'll do off this site. It's, it's really well-researched, a lot of these tales. Um, UFOcus.org.nz. Oh, yeah. I'll put, we'll put the link oh, up. Oh, yeah, but New zealand based Yeah. Um, but it's I like it. The group is it's sort of like a it's a it's a UFO NZ is a research group. So New Zealand UFO research networking worldwide is what their website says. So this is where I've got the story from, as well as a few other sources. But um, this is where I first read this originally when I was trawling through this UFO page, reading some of the claims of UFO visitations to our uh, gentle wee small islands who don't get a lot of UFO publicity yep. but some of the stories we have like the Kaikoura UFO sightings and this one here mm. are actually some really impressive stories yeah. on a world stage it's just like like most of the world you forget about New Zealand yeah well it was interesting um, uh, not that long ago um, the New Zealand government um, released a whole bunch yeah. of yes, pla- previously exactly classified UFO files so um managed to print out a bunch of them into a big giant book and that's really interesting reading there's kaikoura lights um, that's a fantastic stories story. in there as well absolutely fantastic which we story. should cover that at some point yeah. we keep talking about it we um remember remember back in the day with the base of o and when we were going to do our own <laughs> this is very early <laughs> pretty much it yeah this became the base of o base of operations yeah yeah okay i was looking through some photos on facebook the other day i saw one of me outside the base of o from like <laughs> 2011 <laughs> nice that was the base of o was the um small small tiny little observatory that we somehow thought we were going to make a tv show we would yeah and base it around there i think it was when like um like ufo hunters or something was quite popular or whatever we used to get that magazine that had all the typos in it that's right yeah from borders yeah Yeah. (laughs) r.o.p and then we make a podcast there's lots of typos and mistakes in it yeah 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 yeah. verbal typos that that magazine was where i first learned about that jl sighting the the japan airlines one all right yeah so um so do you you see that around ever is that magazine still some copies down here in the bookshelf behind me or something yeah but you can't still get current ones i don't think you can no because remember I bought you like a three-month subscription and you got them for months on end. So they never culled it. <laughs> they never updated their lists, did they? Yeah. <laughs> so you got like a three-month subscription. How long coming. did it last? I think it lasted two years. <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> they go, oh, you now, don't they? <laughs> anyway, carry so on. So anyway, that's where I first heard the story. So um, as I said, it's an older one. So I'll, I'll, I'll kick into it. So... Before there were flying saucers, triangles, flying squares, there were phantom airships. 
What is a phantom airship? So like? mystery airships or phantom airships. So just they're effectively called that because, if as you imagine, what an airship looks like today. Hmm. Um, like a, like a, a cigar, long flying cigar, zeppelin-y sort of thing. Yeah. Exactly like that is what they reported. Right. So there are a series of UFOs best known um, from newspaper reports that originated in the United States uh, during late 1896 and early 1897. Uh, and a whole, well, shitload. <laughs> I wrote that down because <laughs> I thought, what a better way to describe it. A whole shitload of airship sightings reported worldwide right from the uh, 1880s through into the early parts of the 20th century. Hmm. So mystery airship reports are pretty much seen as a predecessor to these modern claims of extraterrestrial piloted saucer style, later triangle, delta shaped flying squares, all these sorts of crazy shapes. Mm -hmm. Um, In the US, it was popularly believed that the mystery airships were actually a product of some inventor or genius, mad scientist who was not quite ready to make the creation known to the world yet. Um, Interesting. So it got to the point where you know, Thomas Edison, yep. he actually had to put out a strongly worded statement saying, not me. It's like, <laughs> this isn't me. So awesome. in 1897, he was like, nah, I deny responsibility for this. This is not me. Mm. I haven't built something. Interesting thing about Edison is that he invented a hell of a lot of stuff, but a lot of it... Um, he gets the credit for, but was invented elsewhere. And he, I think, similar to Einstein, worked in like patents or something like that. So, so he pick up a lot of stuff. Yeah, I, that's my theory. There's a, there's Certainly, with um, with some of his early cinema stuff, it was already happening on the west coast when he invented it on the east coast. That Dude. sort of stuff. Yeah, but anyway. So these um, earlier reports of the mystery airships are unlikely to represent test flights of any real human-manufactured craft. Um, There's just no records of anything being done at that time. Um, So by around the 1896-97 reports, there had been successful flights of airships. So the first fixed-wing aircraft, the Wright Brothers, flew in 1903. So um, as early as 1863, there'd been test flights of balloons and airships, things like that. They were lighter than the air. It was was quite a a comparison to fixed-wing flight. Lighter than the air flight was much easier to achieve earlier. And like on that, had the like Hindenburg not blown up so dramatically, like they originally thought like you know airships were the way of the future. For yeah, yeah, like yeah. they were luxury cruise ships in the sky, and um, it wasn't until they kept blowing up yeah. that they realised maybe we'll go with a fixed wing plane. I heard they were um, there's some company in Europe somewhere or somewhere like Massive that bringing them back one. again. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. obviously they're using uh, non-flammable gases yeah, yeah. <laughs> these days. Blowy uppy. Yeah, um, like for lifting huge, oversized loads. Um, mm. I've seen it's sort of been in development for a long time. I'm, I, I think it's one of those projects that. Has yeah needs a lot of money and backing to get off the ground and mm. it's taking its sweet ass time. To yeah. do it. <laughs> Carry on. So the um, the airship reports received further attention only in the mid twentieth century when UFO investigators suggested that airships might represent the sort of uh, early precursors to um, the post World War Two explosion UFO sightings because sort of like post nineteen forty seven like you had Foo Fighters in um, World yep. War Two then like Roswell and other incidents and flying saucers and Kenneth. Arnold sighting in 1947 those that sort of brought the modern UFO era and then I think investigators sort of turned back and said what was there in the past was there something before and then these airship stories came out right so I'll talk about now the New Zealand flap so have you heard the term UFO flap before 
metaphor? No. Right. So this is it's quite a common term in ufology. So the definition is, I wrote it down, uh, so I got it right, is a period of heightened UFO activity centered on certain areas and lasting a period of many weeks, months, or even years. So like a famous one is the Belgium UFO flap that you would have read about in, in the um, Secret Machines book. Yep. That was a really famous UFO flap. Yep. With triangles flying around. So the New Zealand flap uh, was preceded by similar sightings in Britain during March, April and May of 1909. And um, as I've already mentioned, sightings of unidentified airship type objects have been made over the USA in 1896 and 1897 and even over as early back as 1880 in New Mexico had been seen. Mm-hmm. So for a little over a month in the winter of 1909, and for any Northern Hemisphere listeners... It's the opposite, so it's your summer. So this is July. <laughs> yep. We're not crazy. It's July is not summer, it's winter. Hundreds of New Zealanders reported seeing airships of varying shapes and sizes moving about in the sky. So sighting reports came in from people over the length and breadth of the country. So it was this was enormous. This was a media sensation in nineteen oh nine. Yep. So the nineteen oh nine sightings uh, began in July. The first newspaper to report a sighting stated that several residents of a small South Island town of Stirling, Otago, which is in the far south of our of our fair land, mm-hmm. had sworn that they had seen the lights of what they described as an airship moving about the sky. The airship was again sighted a few days later, only a few miles away from the first observation. So a newspaper article on the 27th of July gave the following account, and I've had to edit some of these words because newspaper reports from the from 1909 are pretty interesting when you try and read them on the, sort of a modern-day stage. So yeah. let's name all the people and their sons and fathers and everyone. Oh, man, it's like yeah. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so it's Mr. Jones, son of Mr. Jones and Mrs. Jones. Yeah. Yeah. This is his employment. This is his history. All um, right. Yeah, sort of his sort of his favourite sort of tea and necktie size and sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so the, um, the newspaper reported on Saturday night, twenty four July, some half dozen boys were playing on the beach and saw a huge illuminated object moving about in the air. The light from it was distinctly reflected on the roof of the cottage. Now, it was like the person that the cottage was like, it was so-and-so's cottage, oh, and yeah. he was sort of baking some muffins, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, yeah, the home was insured for value of... No, yeah. The boys thought it was being attracted by the lantern that they were using on the beach, and they ran away and left the lantern on the beach. The airship then glided around the rocks at the old pilot station and nearly came in contact with them. It shortly afterwards disappears. And this is a, a comment that uh, I think we've made before. Um, the boys said it was as big as a house. I was like, what size house? Like 18, <laughs> 1909 size house? Yeah. Like, there's yeah. variables there. Because, I mean, they have cottages then, obviously. So yeah, well, cottage. it's bigger than a cottage, well, isn't it? Well, I'd say a house. Uh, yeah, I think they'd be quite distinct. So, so today you'd say it was as big as a... Two-story, three-bedroom. Ha- yeah, house. Townhouse. Yeah. <laughs> Shower over bath. Well, yeah, well, two bedrooms. Well, sorry, two bathrooms. Shower over bath. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I wanted to make that shower over bath joke, and I just couldn't get it out. Because <laughs> it says SOB, and I was like, son of a bitch. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, on Sunday night, so the next night, the mysterious object again made its appearance at the beach around 10.30pm. This time it headed out to sea and eventually disappeared over the horizon or into the sea. 
which, as it goes over the horizon, it would look like it's going into the sea. I guess but so. not if you're on board and it's flying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't point that out. Uh, it was... Oh, I've obviously repeated a word here. It was seen seen through a telescope <laughs> and appeared to be a fair size. Just owning it. Dark, yeah, dark superstructure with a powerful headlight and two smaller ones at the side. It might convey the impression of being under control. So, something as big as a house... It's um, dark, sort of dark in colour, powerful headlight at the front, two smaller headlights on, um, on the side, mm-hmm. or two smaller uh, lights on the side. Uh, appears to be driving around the sky and sort of side of a number of people on the beach. Yeah, and they, they had a lantern or something they thought attracted it. Uh, on the first night, and the second night it just turned up again. Oh, right. It's like, yoo Yeah, and that's what makes it a flap. It, uh, not quite yet. <laughs> okay, carry on. It's been on. seen twice. Let so me know when we're in flap status. I'll, okay, I'll give you in flap mode. <laughs> um, a sighting was also reported near Kelso, South Otago, so quite close to it, at the same time. A small group of school children and some town residents reported that an airship came down and bobbed around in the sky over their school for a few minutes. A newspaper reported... All those scholars, which I've been like teachers, it's awesome. Students. All, uh, sorry, sorry, students. Uh, all those scholars who saw the ship were interrogated singly and independently and were asked to draw an impression of what they had seen. The result was six drawings, the degree of resemblance of which was nothing short of dumbfounding to all sceptics. Interesting. It's interesting even going through that process back yeah, then. It is. Yeah, this is this was so this was like because like the newspaper actually it was like the, the story I was I, I've sort of bastardized to, to tell this one. <laughs> yeah. Went into the sort of process they did and they, you know in comparison to sort of what a lot of these sighting reports would be and one of the explanations is it's oh, just media beat up and they just you know there's no there's sensationalized journalism no one they, they were just printing anything because they wanted to sell papers it's like hmm. and actually this is the opposite they've actually thoroughly researched this. Yeah. Um, so the scholars and uh, oh, sorry. Oh, God, I'm hooked on that scholars word, and I still got it. I still got the wrong. Say thing. students. Yeah, but oh, it was fun to say scholars, and I said teachers instead of scholars. <laughs> God, come on, right. we can get through this. Okay, so next, next, next paragraph. Special interrogation of the boys, mind of the gutter, revealed that <laughs> the fact that none had drawn the diagram before, nor had they been interested in airships prior to prior to witnessing this one. One of the boys, in addition to the side view, was able to draw it from beneath as the ship passed over his head. This showed two sails on each side. One boy drew a revolving propeller at the rear. The report went on to say that there was a box beneath the body of the ship, but no one could be seen in it. The vessel was entirely black in colour. One boy said that he had seen the propeller reverse and the vessel suddenly turned sharply. What? So, I'm just going to... Spin around for you. Yeah, I'll try and describe this for the peeps Oop, listening. Power cable, the laptop is connected. So that looks very similar to a zeppelin. To a zeppelin, yeah. Yeah, a wee so, box underneath, yeah. and a like a, what appears to be a, like a propeller or something at the rear. Yeah, two kind of like little wings, almost like a space shuttle has sticking out of the side of it. So essentially, it's a zeppelin. That's right. Yeah, it's sort of if you drew an oval and then you put a triangle but uh, in sort of behind the oval as wings. Uh, yeah, as wings. And then a propeller on the back. Yeah, and are we are we, are we rectangle or are we propeller on the back? Mm-hmm. The following day, the airship was again seen near Kelso. So this is where this um, sighting with the scholars were. Yeah. <laughs> a dozen tradesmen who were working six miles away watched it through telescopes and field glasses in the early evening. 
They said it was about two miles away. It was cigar-shaped with a carriage suspended below it, and it had a large headlight. Three days later, on 27 July, a new type of airship was seen nearby. The newspaper reported. On Tuesday, about 10am, two men working near the mouth of the Pomahaka River saw high in the sky a large boat-shaped structure floating in the air. It appeared to be coming straight towards them, and they expected it to come over their heads in the direction of the Blue Mountains. It dipped up and down in the air with an easy motion, and they could see it easily and had a good view of it, the distance away being about two and a half miles and pretty high in the air. Their first impression as to its shape were confirmed. It was distinctly boat-shaped, and they could see on the top of it what appeared to be a long pole. It continued with a dipping and ascending motion towards them for some time, and then swerved to the left and crossed the river and then disappeared. Hmm. By now, the airship sensation was at its peak. Lab time! <laughs> reports were flooding oh, it's, into newspapers. Yeah, reports were flooding into newspapers all over the lower half of the South Island. Two local newspapers gave the sighting startling in-depth coverage, so the space the stories occupy would be easily equivalent to full front page, full frontal, full frontal coverage <laughs> uh, in modern newspaper form layout. So it'd be like your full front page and probably like you know continued on page A3, and you like saying extra, extra, read all about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is where if we were doing a video of this it would like spin onto the screen the headlines of all the yeah, newspapers that's right. spinning up that's right yep <laughs> so imagine that and carry on <laughs> good I've lost where I am now after that okay <laughs> I've I'll, got it now okay I was gonna so tell. on the night of 29 July a number of people in Timaru 250 kilometers north of the earlier sightings saw a strange light over the sea moving northwards and on the same night in Temuka a short distance north of Timaru a police constable and two others watched a large headlight and a smaller one behind moving about in the sky a further few miles northwards at Geraldine so it's just sort of creeping up heading north yep. heading Christchurch way Yep. Uh, a number of people reported seeing a light in the sky. All agreed that the shape of the ship was that of a blunt-headed cigar and that it carried two searchlights, which swept the sky upwards and in various directions. On the same night, two women in Southland, 400 kilometres away at the bottom of the island, reported seeing lights in the sky, which changed in colour from white to red to violet to green and then to orange. Hmm. Red and <laughs> Just keep going. I thought you were pausing because you could hear traffic, but I okay, can. That's why I decided to sing. We decided over last week we don't cut I'm out. Traffic. Sing over, sing over the traffic. <laughs> sing over my neighbour's stupid Subaru. <laughs> Uh, continuing on that night of 29 July, an airship, which was reported for the first time, um, sorry, an airship was reported for the first time on the west coast of the South Island. So you, be, you being a former Hokitakiing, <laughs> briefly, yeah, I'm not like Patrick alleging you lived there, but born there, whatever he says. Yeah. So west coast, I and mean, the island's not a particularly wide island. No. It's a few hundred kilometres away. Just um, yep. mountain range in the middle, yep. and then towns on either side, basically. That's right. Passengers on the Hokitika train watched a mysterious light in the sky on approach. When the train appeared, arrived at the next station, the passengers crowded on the platform to watch. The object came inshore and descended close to the breaking waves. It bobbed up and down for a time and then moved off against a strong wind. So sightings were also reported in Dunedin and Christchurch, the Weird. major cities of the South Island. Crazy. 
The uh, early morning of the next day, 30 July, saw a sighting that created great interest way back down in Southland again. At around 5am, two lights broke through the mist near a river dredge, and apparently the forms of two figures sitting in the air machine could be seen. What? The ship was narrow and boat-shaped. The dredge winchman... <laughs> winchman <laughs> I put a space there for some I think I must have corrected him in a space like a, the dread sound, winchman sounded like a superhero yeah. Batman <laughs> winchman <laughs> said the object came quite close to the dredge circling around for several minutes as he and the second dredgeman <laughs> dredgeman yeah. watched at times it moved very fast and then slowed at other times it would remain stationary and then dip and rise again so it seems very manoeuvrable. Like, mm. airships aren't particularly manoeuvrable. So this yeah. thing's bobbing up and down and moving around. Although to those in that time, like, we think of manoeuvrable as, like, a fighter jet. In that time, manoeuvrable might have been just something that can well, turn. One thing I've said to some about some sort of UFO sighting is often, like, the like the object will be bumping up and moving around quite like quite a bit, like like it's distorting gravity mm. and just sort of, just sort of like, hanging, hanging, was hanging in place. But yeah. um, there is a bit of movement to it. Yeah. Um, Interesting. The object shot up into the mist, leaving a yellow glare on the haze. And it was like the lights of it, maybe. Yeah. And then reappeared in a gap in the mist a short distance away, and then eventually disappeared. Hmm. Right, heading north. So in the North Island, um, yeah. we're very creative in this country. Um, the yeah. island to the north is the North Island, and the island to the south is the South Island. There's Maori names for them as Te well. Te Wai Punamu. Yep. And? And... North Island Māori <laughs> name. Um, it's uh, uh, something about Maui, I think. Yeah, it's to do with. Uh, anyway, we're going down the road. Yeah. There it is. Um, so in the North Island, Te Ika a Maui. There we go. The fish of Maui. In the North Island, meanwhile, reports had started in late July, and strangely enough, from the northern region first. So it started from the south, moving north, and then it went from the north, moving south, in the North Island. Right. Lights were seen uh, in Auckland which is uh, the biggest air city in this country, mm-hmm. um, from about 26 July, although never at close range. So it's just lights for seeing the sky. Yep. Podcast. <laughs> That's a good name. That's a great <laughs> name for a podcast to tell all your friends about. <laughs> the New Zealand Herald newspaper, which is still around um, today, reported... Okay, funnily enough for a newspaper... <laughs> Um, reported that the manager of a farm at Dargaville in the far north observed for about 15 minutes a cigar-shaped object which moved along the coast five miles from the shore. On 3 August, so we've sort of jumped into the next month now, yep. sightings were recorded all over the Hawke's Bay area of the North Island, and that's over 1,000 kilometres north from the original sightings in Southland. A local newspaper reported that a man was riding near the race course, riding up a horse. We can assume, yep. <laughs> and his horse became agitated. He glanced up and witnessed a large torpedo-shaped structure passing over his head. The airship, he states, was painted grey and three persons were visible, one of whom shouted out to him in an unknown tongue. What? The ship rose to a great height, showing lights at bow and stern, and, after circling around, disappeared behind a hill. On the same night, another resident saw a ship-like structure, and its appearance was preceded by a humming sound. Uh, the ship was quite high, and a faint light came from the ship. So if we don't get the audio quite right in the podcast, and there's like a humming sound, I imagine that's what the yeah, sound Yeah, that's that one coming to pick you up, show yeah. you the future, yeah. and get you naked. <laughs> so is that the audio? <laughs> uh, two days later, on 5 August, 170 kilometres away in Huanganui, mm-hmm. the local newspaper said that he, uh, said that um, an airship had been observed passing over the Wanganui River Bridge at about 11.30pm. Hmm. 
so a witness said, I distinctly saw a large airship flying down the river. It was flying at a height of about 200 feet, and I could distinctly see its two large wings. So I guess similar to those yep. fanny bits from before. Oh, I say fanny? <laughs> I said fanny on the podcast. Just brush over it. Keep going. <laughs> uh, which made a hissing sound. You're going to leave that there? <laughs> I calculated it was traveling at 90 miles an hour at the least, which would be pretty freaking fast for back in the day. Yeah. What's that in kilometers? Well, 100 miles an hour is 160k. Oh, I, remember, yeah. I remember driving, we drove back from San That's Diego right. and I was driving at 100 miles an hour. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so it must be 150. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then, so then there was that police stop that was looking for illegal aliens. Yeah. Not the kind of aliens that we have on this yeah. podcast. Not podcast-worthy aliens. No. Oh. Oh, that's not very friendly. Okay, and carry on. What are you, Just Trump? Come on, carry on. <laughs> it had a powerful light in the front and also one on the other side. On the same night, two further witnesses reported that they had seen a huge airship passing over the same area. Orange tinted lights were seen around nearby Palmy North, with a light which appeared to flash from side to side. A couple of nights later in Melbourne, Australia, the first sighting of an airship was reported. Uh-huh. Sighting reports were also received from New South Wales. At this point in time, the New Zealand sightings ceased. For the rest of August, no more sightings were reported. Wow. Then suddenly, on 1 September, an airship reappeared over Gore in Southland. What? <laughs> Gore. <laughs> to where the sightings were first, uh, near to where the, where the sightings were first reported. And over a period of several days, was reportedly seen by hundreds of residents. With this fleeting reappearance, the airship sightings in New Zealand ended for 1909 and forever. What? That's pretty cool. So that's, that's sort of um, the, the, the yarn. Yeah, that's an interesting little, like, uh, it's it might be a human thing to do, but connecting all of those little yarns together to assume it's one thing, um, to, you know, move its way up the yeah. country, then back down again, and then across the Tasman. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a again. great piece of research. So the research and the actual article about this was um, um, written in 1967, so right. it's, it's quite an old article now, um, mm. and some of the language in this shows it's from 1967. It's yeah. why I to update some of it too. <laughs> and when you're also trying to update language from 1909. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the guy, uh, another Tony, Tony Brunt, wrote the article, mm-hmm. um, who was a, a former convener of the Auckland University UFO Research Group. It's no longer in existence. Sounds quite cool. So one of the first things I tend to do in my head is... Um, attack it all sceptically yeah. um, do you want to hear some of the, the explanations that were put forward for this or do you uh, want to, to hypothesise yourself I was just going to say um, usually when you look at things sceptically you can kind of see a motivation for for some of this like I think we mentioned in one of the get me some strange things there was a guy who was alone and saw a Bigfoot that's right and then came and back then and wrote, wrote a book, a book about, about it, it. Yeah. and it's like Straight away, if you're making money off it, plush Bigfoot toys and yeah, (laughs) sell them for like thirty-five dollars a pop. So, yeah, yeah, if you're making money off it, is the first alarm bell for me. But what strikes me about this one is that um, the newspaper um, and the way that they reported on that whole process of um, interrogating little boys separately, (laughs) um, getting them to draw their pictures, and they all line up and and. Um, yeah, I mean, that wasn't an overly... It's not like they're going to go in 1909 and build a theme park around it, you know? They're, they're not necessarily after the cash in That's this right. case. It was all when reporting was reporting. 
Yeah, so that, that is a big part because that was um, one of the, 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 the sort of stories that when I was reading about the, the sightings in the US in 1896-97, mm. one of the things was it was just um, the newspapers were just reporting it and they didn't kind of view as it say these the newspapers would publish something and they would know it's outlandish and unusual and they wouldn't necessarily expect people to believe it. They'd say, oh, it's just a bit of fun. Yeah, right. Um, whereas this... There was, a, there was a lot. There was a lot of there was a lot of investigation. If you actually go and read the article, it talks about some of the other like newspaper stories because just to talk about them all was enormous, mm. um, and a lot of them are the same thing, but just in, in other locations nearby. Um, so I just sort of picked out some of the most uh, dramatic ones. Um, we can link to them. We can, we can. It's a really good article to read. Cool. So um, we'll put them. But up. only read that article. Don't read the other ones because you'll, you'll, you'll ruin all my material for the, <laughs> for the other episodes, and you won't need to listen. Okay. Well, we'll link to some articles. Yeah. Don't you dare click out of that article. Uh, yes, yeah, so there's, there's no, no there's no motivation to have anyone making money. Um, mm. There were a few stories that seemed a little bit. There was one one story I didn't include, which apparently someone said the craft landed and some Japanese people go out. Right. <laughs> which sounds pretty much nonsense. Interesting. Um, and there was another one that said it could be. Um, it could be people of uh, sort of an Asian origin because I like, get to this point in time the western world and the eastern world were still worlds apart yeah yeah and um, other stories had mentioned that it was um, people from Mars someone had claimed that someone had uh, had spoken to someone who said they were from Mars and we know that's not possible right though with that life movie coming out there's some freaky shit potentially on Mars we've got to watch out for <laughs> yeah but I'm going to t- treat that as fiction for now because I, I, did, I still think <laughs> because that, it's a fictional story yeah I, I, yeah, I think probably. those actors are still alive <laughs> oh actors you say yeah <laughs> yeah there's your first clue <laughs> oh didn't even pick up on that the first time around so what did the skeptics say about it okay so um, at the time of the flap no manoeuvrable airships or gas filled balloons were being flown in New Zealand the newspapers which accepted the airship hypothesis and did not try to explain the sightings away as misinterpreted natural phenomenon plumbed for the belief that a backcountry inventor was responsible for the objects. So right. it's, um, Kiwis in our DOI, mate. <laughs> Pretty famous for it. So, yep. But there were no Bunnings or might have 10 megas in this day, so yep. much harder to Bunnings do. is Australian, but carry on. Still based up here. <laughs> we'll claim it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so they they that sort of theory, theory fell out of uh, fell out of favour when the phantom airships were reported over Eastern Australia and the New mm. Zealand UFO flap died out. Um, of course, at the time they didn't know they were being reported. They'd been reported in the United States. They'd been reported in the, yeah, right. in, in the UK. Um, yeah. Huh. So one newspaper in New Zealand published the following theory. With reference to the mysterious lights, I make bold in all seriousness to look at the occurrence as a visitation from another world made by beings so far advanced in intellect and knowledge. Hmm. Which is an interesting theory at the a time to think it was a, a, a to throw the alien hypothesis out there. Yeah, you're going out on a limb when you start doing that, right? Yeah, I mean, we're, they were a God-fearing people back there, and that's almost enough to get you sort of hung, yeah, drawn and courted. I don't really At least outcasts are not a journalist anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Other theories put forward to explain a way the phenomenon included stars, illuminated kites, or fire balloons. Mm-hmm. And I think those fire balloons are those like those lanterns that often get mistaken for UFOs these days. Oh yeah. So they've got the wee candle in them and the yep. paper, like on Tangled. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or like it really 
Yeah. At so, weddings and whatnot. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Terrible for birds, apparently, for things. Um, so birds, so that, that last sighting in, on the 1 September was um, one, one theory that was put forward. It was a flight of lot of, a uh, flock of starlings. Right. That people mistook for an airship. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, collective del- delusion, which is the sort of PC term now for mass hysteria. Oh, yeah. Media influence or misreporting and hoaxes, like the probably the landing and the Japanese people getting out, yeah. uh, are other suggestions put forward to explain the sightings. Because there weren't photos taken, it was all this. But again, the groups, when it's, when it's the one person saw this, so the man riding his horse saw this and someone shouted at him in a, in a different tongue. Yeah. Questionable. When it's a group of you know 10 people all seeing the same thing and they're drawing the same thing and reporting the same thing. All separately. All yeah. separately, being uh, children and also the teachers. Yeah. Um, and uh, people sitting on, you know, they're on a, a you know, passengers on a, on a train who stop and all get out and see this thing. Yeah, um, it's, it's a bit, you know, the whole sort of. Um, I guess that's when they're saying, oh, it's just mass hysteria, collective delusion. Everyone thinks they're seeing something, and it's just causing hysteria and causing it to spread. Yeah, which um, is a strange concept in itself. It is. Yeah. So, um, sort of wrap wrap this one up nice and neatly. Uh, mm-hmm. Later reports of airship sightings came from the UK in 1912 and 1913 and South Africa during 1914. However, by this time, airship technology was well advanced. Count Ferdinand von Zeppelin was flying his massive passenger-carrying airships around this time and test flying them, making it more likely that these later sightings could have been airships of earthly origin uh, rather than a potential evidence of an extraterrestrial visitation. Yeah. So one final note. A Wallace Tillinghast... A Massachusetts businessman gained a notoriety for claims he was responsible for the 1909 wave due to an airship he had built, but his claims were never substantiated. Hmm. We'll leave that there. Mm. Food for thought. Yeah, so we'll put the um, the links up of um, the... Articles and yeah. any, any research that you see fit we'll put up on yeah. the website, which is lightsinthesky.podcast.com. There's a, um, a page on the NZ Skeptics, and I, quote, I, I got some of the story from the NZ Skeptics page. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a, a story called The Great Zeppelin Scare of 1909, so <laughs> it's... yeah. Oh, yeah, um, since we're seeing how quickly we can get this episode up, um, after this the, it might be that if you listen straight away it's not up yet um, it'll take a few hours to get the related links and things that's right yeah um, up uh, uh, yeah podcast first but they will they will be coming but if you just um, I mean you can search it quite and find the links quite easily yeah just 1909 interesting US, uh, yeah, yeah, phantom airships or yep. air, airship flap New Zealand like that yep. find it quickly or go to that UFO focus page and while you're there, have a look at um, no. New Zealand in general, because it's awesome. Yeah. While you're researching, I mean, no, don't look at any of the other articles. Yeah, please don't do that. It's my material. <laughs> All right, so shall we skip on to get you some strange... That's, well, yeah, because I think I, I, I had that terrible story. Yeah. Uh, you have religion. To... No more religion, no more religion. Don't talk about it. Don't <laughs> talk about it. And then you tried to save the day, and it didn't really work either. Okay. I'm going to go this time. Okay, go. Ready? What do I say again? Stop. Okay. Stop. Interesting. So we've landed on the page of unidentified flying objects. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> this is your double dose. Yeah. This is your, your, you know, you're getting your lunch, your dinner, and your dessert. Okay, so this one goes right back to 
um, pre-1800. So we're talking historical wow, UFOs Wow, okay. Right we're really dialing back. Yeah. Back to antiquity. Mm-hmm. One of the first written accounts of a UFO sighting, a fleet of flying saucers perhaps, is the following excerpt, excerpt from an Egyptian papyrus. Part of the annals of Thutmose III, who reigned around 1500 to 1450 BC. Wow, okay. So I'm Slightly longer than the story I did heard the previous one. Yeah. Um, so this is going to sound a little strange because it's been um, translated, but hear me out. In the year 22 of the third month of winter, sixth hour of the day, the scribes of the House of Life found it was a circle of fire that was coming in the sky. It had no head, the breath, the breath of its mouth had a foul odor, its body one long rod and one rod wide. Sorry, one rod long and one rod wide. It had no voice. Their hearts became confused through it. Then they laid themselves on their bellies. They went to the pharaoh to report it. His majesty ordered an examination of all which is written in the papyrus scrolls of the house of life. His majesty was meditating upon what happened. Now after some days had passed, these things became more numerous in the skies than ever. They shone more in the sky than the brightness of the sun and extended to the limits of the four supports of the heavens. Powerful was the position of the fire circles. The army of the pharaoh looked on with him in their midst. It was after supper. Thereupon these fire circles ascended higher into the sky towards the south. The pharaoh caused incense to be brought, caused incense to be brought and make peace on the hearth and what happened was ordered by the pharaoh to be written in the annals of the house of life so that it be remembered forever whoa so yeah those sort of ancient alien sightings of like often thoughts of uh, you know gods or um, other type that's like that's a theory isn't it because yeah. lots of those are were actually ancient UFO and extraterrestrial visitors um, yeah that, that whole were, idea that of, um, of gods. alien intervention to yeah. advance human technologies and things is um it's pretty big. Um, there's also a small image here um, of a th- more than 3,400-year-old record um, showing the sighting of numerous brilliant round objects in the sky, um, recorded by his pr- uh, recorded in the sky. Is it the heat pump? Yeah, I think it needs to. If anyone heard buzzing, it was a heat fu- heat pump. It wasn't an airship. <laughs> <laughs> Yet. Um, so, yeah, there's a picture in here um, from the scribes that I'll Instagram up or something like that. Maybe put it up on the blog. Um, lots of little pictures of birds and eyeballs, etc., as they used to do <laughs> in, in Egypt. But, yeah, interesting that that's uh, 3,400 years old, and this book is from 1982, so it's even older than that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they're rounding though, aren't they? So I think we've got another another hundred years yet. But. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. All right, cool. So, um, shall we leave it at that? I Anything else you want to report on? No, I'm um, I'm pleased with um, how the story went. Cool. Um, it's a, it's a very interesting tale, and <laughs> hope you enjoyed hearing it. Yeah, it was one I um, was when I was thinking about what to do. I sort of dawned me like ah. An interesting one. Yep. In the past. New Zealand flavour. Yeah, and something that was a really, I mean, really occupied the whole country. Yeah. For a time. And others. Cool. So until next time, 
Catch you later. Too late. Squeaky chair. <laughs>